0: 2018-2019 was one to forget for the Brisbane Roar, but with a new season comes new hope and a whole lot of new beginnings. It's a Brisbane Football Review season preview for the A-League. It starts right now.
1: shoots all the wins the premiership for Brisbane roar it's, it's brisbane's day
0: it's brisbane season it's brisbane's time now down as
2: the weeks trickle check in today so you come in and put your bed
0: Yes, it's almost our time. Another A-League season is about to kick off and the Brisbane Football Review is going to be back to take you through it in as much detail as we can. It's James, Scott and Adam here at AJ Kelly Park at Redcliffe where the Roar have just wrapped up their pre-season preparations with a 2-2 draw at Peninsula Power. Scott, Adam, back for uh, another season
3: properly now even though we've done our FFA Cup preview shows. <laughs> yeah, a, se- a third season, third season fourth season? A fourth no, season. season. Four fourth season Bru- preview, wow. Yes. Time flies and yeah. you're having fun.
1: Yeah, no, look, it's uh, good to get back in the groove of things and you know, going uh, pretty much weekly from now until, well, hopefully May.
0: Hopefully May. We'll see how we go with that. And there's going to be a lot to unfold. And there really has been a lot unfolding in the world of Australian football over the last few months. And I suppose the big thing is the A-League is now mostly independently run with the clubs now taking over control from the FFA.
3: Yeah, the AFPCA now have officially, well, they've been given... The license to take over whether they've given the keys to the car, whether they've actually got the car yet or not's a whole other question. But it's interesting because it seems to be things are um, the more they change, the more they stay the same. At the moment, it's been a bit haphazard, hasn't it? Things have been a bit slow in terms of changing. But hopefully, as they they take more control, that does begin to change.
1: Yeah, look, it's uh, it seems to be a rush thing, and you know, I think you know, it's a case of you know, basically that the the clubs are gaining control. But I, I question sometimes whether. You know, had they rushed us through just for sake of gaining control? Because um, there's been a lot of things, and we'll go into it shortly about, you know, sort of the continuity as far as you know, from the FFA to the, um, I guess, the APF, APFCA, yeah. as far as control and, and the clubs in general.
0: I'm just going to keep calling them the clubs instead of trying to remember yeah. that acronym every week. I'm just, yeah. I'm just putting it out that out there. The first
3: thing is, there's another acronym from another group, which is very similar, the um, AAFC. Oh God. Yeah, I know it's very confusing. Don't go into it. Yeah, okay. We don't that's have time it. for that.
0: That's it. <laughs> but uh, one thing we are starting to see as well, only a week out from the season, is we're finally getting some promotion as well for the league. It's a campaign called Where Heroes Are Made, and, you know, I think we've, we've wanted it to start a little bit earlier. I get the theory behind not wanting to bury it uh, in amongst the AFL and NRL finals, which, look, this is still Australia, unfortunately. It is something that... They are going to always have to play second fiddle, too, Adam. What do you think about the timing of this and the campaign itself?
1: Yeah, look, um, the campaign. Look, me personally, I sort of it's um, seeing a bunch of anime is a bit weird for me, to be honest. But um, look, it is promotion. That's the main thing. It's it's bright, it's glaring, it's out there. Um, As far as you know, holding on until pretty much that the you know the AFL season's finished and the NRL sort of you know, look, I get I get that, but I think it's also a concession that you know what you. If you can't match them, don't try. And I think that's probably the wrong message. You know, I'd maybe not go full hog um, as far as you know the full promotion. You don't want to you know, use up all your think. But they should have had something. Just something during the you, final season. You
3: might want to have an extra week then between time. You might want two weeks of this sort of promotion leading up to the season. Not just one. Because one might not be enough to get the impact that you want. Because I, I noticed the NBL, they went, what, four days after the AFL Grand Final and just before the NRL Grand Final. So it's interesting how that worked. But with the promotion, I, it's not my cup of tea either, but I, I understand why they've done it. Because so I think it's going to be really, really effective. when Where Heroes are made, it's aimed at the younger demographic, which I think it has a really good chance of getting cut through with that. And when you look at what they're up against in terms of big bash cricket, the summer of tennis, the NBL, there's a lot of things going on. You want something to cuts through that gets the kids' attention. And I think this might be the, the tool that does it.
0: Certainly. And the other thing as well, when you think about it, is... The way that the A-League is structured, mm. it is still like another football season. It's yeah. not like comparing it to the splash you get with the Australian Open in the tennis. Yeah. It's not the splash you get with the, uh, what, 6-8, yeah. It's a, a six-month big... season, not
3: a six-week sprint, isn't it? Yeah,
0: exactly. It's not a summer holiday competition. So you kind of have to see it as basically one of those competitions that is operating over summer rather than... Uh, again a summer splash yeah. I'm just gonna keep using that term I do yeah. like it I think
1: I think it's a case of as well as that I guess if, if the clubs are smart you know that they, they basically that they, they, they've got this where where heroes are made sort of um, promotion now and generally in, in sort of in conjunction with fox sports they normally have one for the you know, for, for the summer months you know that's the other, the summer of football and then obviously then there's the, the, the run of the finals so maybe they're not going you know full hog out trying to you know use all their promotional money in the first you know three weeks of season. I think it's it's as you said it's a, it's a slow burn as far as you know a marketing campaign goes. It's a
3: good book. In that summer splash period, you're calling it. That's where you do want to really ramp up the promotion because there's a lot of people who have a lot of time off in that period, and if you can get them out that's to League right. games, all the better. Absolutely, and the
0: other thing as well for me that really I suppose stands out about it though is. Look, I, I know that it's a competitive marketplace, but you're right. They do need to do something to try and target it. Maybe that's something that comes down to the individual clubs because, like, sure, you can find a way to target the people who are Raw members, you know, may or may not follow other clubs, but they can at least find ways to try and get them like, target those people who do want to renew their memberships.
1: Yeah, look, it's, um, it's a case of... Um yeah, I, like I guess different promotion for different uh, things. It's a, it's a case of, you know, what works best. You know, early in the season, but then they but they just can't just rely just solely on that to get people in. It's obviously you know with, with the as the season goes on, the promotions need to change.
0: Yeah, that's it. And the other big story that's come out about the A League has only been really confirmed after months and months of rumours. And but it seems like the free-to-air component of the A League is going to be on free to, is on going to be on ABC TV and iView. So
3: it's not just the A League, also the W League. They've got the Matildas. This is pre- the A League season preview. But they've got, the, they've got the W, they've got the Matildas friendly coming up against Chile. You've got the Soccer as World Cup qualifiers at home. So there's a lot of a lot of football that'll be on free-to-air television, which is a good thing. But for the A League part of it, I think it's. It's quite good because it's in that Saturday 4 o'clock window, I believe. There's 4 o'clock Brisbane time. Yeah, so it'll 5 be... o'clock down in yeah. in the southern states, which leads right into their news at 7pm, which is probably going to be quite a good lead-in for them. But I think it's a decent little deal given there didn't appear to be a great lot of interest from some of the bigger commercial networks. Obviously, Network 10 were linked at one point point, had was it. my choice. And they had it the previous couple of years, but the interest seemed to disappear or they went in another direction. But I think this is you got to take what you can get, really, don't you? We've seen with ABC
0: Grandstand the right way to do sport. We've also seen with ABC's coverage of that Liverpool-Sydney FC friendly, the way not to do coverage of uh, football. But I just... You know, there's there's reason to be encouraged about it.
1: Yeah, look, it's good to see our taxpayer dollars finally at work for something. Well, uh, <laughs> it's,
0: be, you know, it's good marketing on a global scale, and
1: uh, yeah, look, um, global look at the end of the day, ABC you know, being the public broadcaster. You no, know, dear respect of your political views and whatnot on it. Um, look, I think it's a good thing that you know they they at the end of the day they will um, produce it, you know how they see how they see fit and probably you know it's it's not whereas you know they don't have to. You know, butt up against agendas of the other networks. So, for example, you know, nine with NRL, seven with you know AFL, and and whatnot. So, look, I think it's given the situation, given you know, obviously, it's it's probably a good decision, you know, to to go with ABC.
3: The one thing I don't like about this deal is the finals component of it. One final in the Nation Final Weekend, one semi-final, and the grand final, and none of them live. I think that's in 2019, 20 surely we could. If you're not going to get the full final series, surely you can at least get the games you have live. Yeah, I think. The, del- the yeah. hour delay, it does matter. I could, I in, could this, live in this modern m- world where technology is so prevalent, that delay does matter. I think you and I are about to say the same thing, Adam, so I'll let you
0: say Yeah,
1: that. I think yeah, you're saying, yeah, that uh, I could live with the grand final being on delay. Um, because I think at the end of the day, it's a marketable point for Fox Fox Sports, who still, you know, last time I checked, still have the rights. But yeah, I think having a... Unless, again, Fox Sports trying to dictate, which I think is probably a bit of an overreach, having... like so I can't see an issue having them both simultaneous, yeah. same time. You know, you want more eyeballs on that. Now, like, to be honest, I can't believe Foxtel self would deny that. Because like I said more eyeballs watching the product, it may be a chance they've got the exclusive grand final following which it's, it's a good lead-in for you know, subscribers.
0: That's actually not what I was going to say. Okay. But I, you've kind of brought me around on that as well. And also, like, how hard would it be for Foxtel to basically say, alright, t- you can broadcast the Grand Final, but it's our show. So it's literally just you yeah. know plugging in and saying, this is what we're broadcasting for yeah. the Grand Final. We
3: don't know. It very well may be that. We don't know whether ABC will have their own production around this or not. So they may very well do what One HD did last year through Network 10 and just take the Fox Sports coverage as yeah. their own. We, they may do that. We don't know yet.
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see about that. Anyway, that's going to wrap up a very, very quick segment one. Uh, for segment two, we're going to come back and do an interview with uh, the CEO of the Raw, Mr. David Pure. Scott and I were in on that this afternoon, and uh, we'll be back after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review, A-League Season
4: Preview.
5: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this.
0: And we're very pleased to be joined on the Brisbane Football Review Season Preview by a special guest, the CEO of the Brisbane Raw, Mr. David Pouret,
5: back for his second appearance.
3: Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be back. It's great to have you on the show as always, Dave.
5: Thank you, mate.
0: Yeah, we've uh, subbed you out for Adams, so you've got a pretty low bar to clear from (laughs) here on out.
5: So first question, uh, off-season under Robbie Fowler, how do you feel it's gone for the A-League squad? Uh, I think it's been a very, very good off-season, to be quite honest. teams team's got in nice and early. I think uh, Robbie's getting used to how long the off-season actually is, and I know the boys are itching a go, which is great. Uh, a lot of hard work's been going off-field, um, as you would be aware. Uh, but, look, the signings have been good and solid. The boys are enjoying each other's company, working hard on the field, and, and optimistic, cautiously optimistic.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's the case for everyone at the moment. Like, there's been such a big turnover in the squad as well, and are you happy
5: with what's been assembled? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, Robbie had a very clear vision when he came in, and that was why he was important as well. Uh, he brought the plays in, he's done his research, brought his, his key staff in as well, uh, retained good staff such as Darren Davies as well. He did a, a wonderful job last year taking over in difficult situations, um, really gelled and united the whole football department side, and uh, I think it'll be OK. And something we've spoken to
0: a couple of the players about as well is that sense of family in the club as well.
5: And you know have the guys who
0: have uh, carried over done it good job you feel of uh ingratiating the new guys into the brisbane royal culture yeah
5: absolutely i think we've we've always been a a really good family um i don't think we've articulated that very well or might have not have shown it it's certainly been there in the belief um but with the new boys coming in and you see some of those who who are retained in the squad and how they have made them feel really welcome and show them around Mm -hmm. such as jack um, and jamie as well two key leaders in the club uh, it, it just shows you what we're all about. You know, Win, lose or draw, we want to be together. Um, and Unity is going to be the 1% that I think is going get to get us over the line this year as well.
3: There's no doubt those trips to Gladstone and Harvey Bay probably helped with that. From your point of view, how successful yep. were those two trips out to the community in pre-season? Is oh. that something you're going to look to continue doing more of? Absolutely. It's, it, they're the best things I think this club's really worked
5: hard with key stakeholders in different councils. Gladstone City Council with his worship. Um, Matt Burnett and uh, and through also Wide Bay as well through Stuart Taylor and uh, has been a great association with Wide Bay region as well with our academy. But that is where we need to be and continually be as well as much as we can out in those regions. Um, seeing the crowds turn up, yep. you know, three 4,000 people to a game in pre-season just uh, as we're training, getting ready um, has been fantastic. But importantly, the boys have got to know each other yep. quite well. Um, and that's what it's all about. So if that gives us our one percenters, then uh, let's do more of it.
0: And obviously this club did start as Queensland Roar, and it is Queensland's only A-league representative yep. at the moment. How important do you feel it is uh, for the club to try and expand their foot- footprint outside of that Brisbane CBD region, especially with you know other clubs wanting to try and get involved in that possible second division?
5: Yeah, look, I, I think it's always important to do it. Um, we have done it. We do it well in the community space. Uh, Being in Logan, it's on the outer reaches of Brisbane as well, but Logan City Council's been wonderful to us down there. It's a really great piece of uh, infrastructure, our home base. Um, And it'll be continually more. We have connections in the Gold Coast, but now stronger in the Sunshine Coast and in those broader regions out west and up north will continue to grow and strengthen. The challenge is, like always, these kids and their families want to get to games okay. um, and trying to get the games and, and giving them best opportunity from a pricing point of view, mm-hmm. taking into consideration they might have to fly down, drive down three hours. We're just being very conscious of that, so how we price things in membership but also ticket pricing and offers as well because we want all the Queensland part of it. If we're going to get another A-League team in Queensland, mm-hmm. I think that's some way off. Um, having a second division or whatever machination that would be in the future, mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's a wonderful area. Um, I don't see promotion relegation potentially happening in the short term. I'm not sure what the future holds, but yeah. I think uh, you know having that responsibility as the only A League team and W League mm-hmm. team yeah. um, is really, really important. We continue out to uh, to broaden our uh, wings a little bit more and mm-hmm. and get people involved with the club.
0: Just as a quick follow-up on that, why do you see promotion relegation as not something that's uh, on the hori- on the near horizon?
5: Uh, just my own personal view. It's not the club's view. My personal view is I think there's um, uh, there's a lot of stake around... It, it's not about the, the actual club itself or the belief of the club and the given player opportunities. Mm. I think there's been a hell of a lot of investment mm. from private owners over many years, ours included... Um, and that's hundreds of millions of dollars and just to be relegated if it was switched on straight away Mm -hmm. and to crystallise that that's people's livelihoods and jobs and investment. I don't think that's really fair from an economics Mm -hmm. point of view Um, but from a sense of what it should do I'm I'm in the Greens with it Um, but it's got to be right. You've got to have enough teams Mm -hmm. in the whole A-League. You have to have a league that's sustainable over yeah. time as well at the moment and that's why the independence mm-hmm. is important around that controlling your own destiny mm-hmm. once that happens and you can solidify it and starts growing then that might be uh, a scenario that it's entered mm-hmm. into i know it's a, a big piece of talking yeah. point and it should happen
3: um but i look at all sides of it and have a balanced view of it from my point of view yeah what we're talking about the league generally I might ask you about the independence process how wh- how where is that at and how is that working currently Yeah, look, there's a lot of people behind the scenes working hard at it to um, separate from the FFA. Uh,
5: I haven't been directly involved in Mm -hmm. some of the aspects and in others I have um, around the commercial side, working with Mm -hmm. other CEOs in other clubs to really solidify those relationships, which is very, very important from the revenues point of view um, and importantly, sponsor point of view. Uh, So that's still working through. in principle, it's all been signed, separated and so <laughs> forth, but there's still a couple of hurdles to, to flow yeah. through yet. But, um, oh, look, it needs to happen quicker for me, yeah. a lot quicker.
3: Yeah. Now, the club chairman, Chris Fong, has been quoted publicly a few times about this sort of stuff lately. What's his role with the AFPCA? Sorry, I am What's that? his role with the um, AFPCA? Yeah, so Africa, So Chris is the vice chair of that <laughs> as well, and Paul Letterer is the chair.
5: They, they represent the club owners, uh, which is really important. Um, they take views of it as a collective yep. for when they deal with the Leagues code. Yep. Um And that's that's basically what the role is mm. there that he would do. He might get yep. involved um, in different mm. negotiations mm. with different partners that's associated with the A-League to help and support. Because yep. what, what is critical to this, yep. what is very critical, I must really, really it's everyone's in this together. Yep. It's, even though it's separated, it's in the best interest of the sport. Yep. So we all have to pull it. It's not about titles or roles. Mm. But it's around we need to get this ride right, and you got to get the right people involved to doing that and the first step is around the separation getting the right people to do it and moving forward has been said
0: speaking of getting uh, the right things in place the new season is six to oh, eight days away for the Brisbane Roar, anyway with yep. uh, the trip to Perth one of the big complaints we always hear is about the promotion or lack thereof at least on Twitter which as we know is always a very positive <laughs> loving understanding place but uh, what are we expecting to see from the RAW this year in terms of promotion for the games? Obviously, you've got the Redcliffe mm-hmm. games and yep. quite a few big draws coming to Suncorp Stadium as well.
5: Mm. So, we, we're going down the path of, uh, one, we have zone games. So, we, we have a fantastic own database. We have a lot of people on that database. Um, we have a lot of fans, we have a lot of members that haven't re-signed just yet as well. Mm. They're upset with the performances of last year, mm-hmm. um, and that can be understandable. Yeah. It's all about the pitch. We've done our best to make things very economical for um, all of our fans, reducing prices and memberships. It's about creating more volume. We want more people, um, more kids involved. So we've got initiatives through our raw active program. So we've we've seen over the years, hundreds of thousands of kids, anywhere aged between six and 11. And we've got a special membership going out to them very shortly um, to get them involved in the club. And it's about that intergenerational transfer of somewhat membership and love for the Raw that we're focused on there. Um, Secondly, the zones as well. So we'll have zones such as Football Brisbane, have dedicated games through the year. So working through our own channels to really promote what we're doing is critical. They're the key stakeholders. They're the ones who got the buy-in with it and they're the ones who got passion for football. And our job is to try and entice them as much as possible to come along.
0: And obviously with the games out at Redcliffe, how happy were you to see the club able to go back there after the FFA Cup uh, games the last two years?
5: Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's great. It's We've a fantastic got, stadium. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. And I think it'll show a lot of other teams in the A-League as well. It's not about big stadia. It's about creating big environments and atmosphere. Yeah. And that's what Redcliffe does. Mm-hmm. Suncorp's a wonderful stadium, don't get me wrong, when there's 15 to 20,000 people rocking in there. Um, but Dolphin Stadium, we've got a lot of members on the north side as well. Um, it's not far from Brisbane. I mean, I live on the Gold Coast, and I've driven there today with my family on a Saturday. Uh, it's taken me an hour. It has taken me an hour. A long to drive. weekend
0: Saturday, mind you. Well. Long
5: weekend Saturday, but the best thing is also on a Sunday at three o'clock. We've done that purposely and especially really worked hard with the the broadcaster mm-hmm. to ensure that the kickoff time is a family friendly time, mm-hmm. so people can get there watch the game, and get home before all the kids have to go back to school the next yeah. day.
3: I might just switch focus to the W League side, Dave. Where are they at at the moment? Because we've obviously seen Mel left. That's a big loss. What was the process of, in, of bringing Jake Woodchip involved in to be the head coach of the W League side? Yeah,
5: look, our, our support for Mel has been very public um, out there, and by myself and many others, around really putting our positions to be, hopefully... Mm-hmm. Um, the next W, uh, sorry, the next uh, Matilda's coach. Yes. We've been campa- um, campaigning for that as well on this show. Yes, so. yeah, yeah. So uh, now that's up to Mel, and it's in her hands mm-hmm. at the moment. And we're fortunate enough; we've got such a depth of coaches within our our club um, that Jake Goodship was certainly one of them. He had some yeah. fantastic success in the NYL, mm-hmm. um, and and carried that forward in the NPL. It's very hard for us to win the NPL. Yeah. We don't really want to, from a sense yeah. of if we're winning that competition what would it really say for the rest of the competition? Yep. So it's not about that, it's about development, um, but having absolute respect for the competition. Mm-hmm. It's not about throwing out substandard teams, it's about development, game time, getting younger kids involved and getting them ready for the top level. Just And I'll come back to yep. your question about the W League at the moment, but I wanted yep. to clarify yep. that because there's a lot of conjecture that's sometimes cool. and that's where our position is. And you've seen that down at the Australian Championships in Coffs Harbour where th- our team's going very, very well. Yep. And that's due to our process, our philosophy. Back on the women, um, Jake's certainly he's worked hard. Well, in the off-season, um, we've kept it very quiet. We're actually announcing, depending on uh, when this goes to air, as well. It could be straight away or live tomorrow morning. Uh, I tomorrow think. think so. so Sunday yeah. morning, if you. So it'll be next week. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it'll be next week. You'll see series of announcements. We don't want to just announce like the other clubs do. We yeah. do things a little bit special, like we did with our A-League boys as well. With if you can probably. The arrival board. Yeah, that was good. So it might not be something like that, but it'll be special to show and reflect the um, mm-hmm. the uh, the actual uh, women that we've got coming in. Yep. Um, very happy with. There are a, a lot of
3: Matildas in them as well, and I think we're going to have a very strong team going into next yep. year as well. Yeah. Well, that takes away one question I was going to ask. I'll ask you another one. Where, is this, where are they going to play this year? We saw last year they played Lions and Dolphin and a couple of games at SunCorp. We expect something similar this year? Uh, something similar, yeah. I, look, the women's game and this is a really key bit and one thing it's done very well in
5: Queensland mm-hmm. so let's talk about how good we are for once mm-hmm. and it's not about southern states because I don't really care about what matter. they do, right? <laughs> don't know what they on this show. In the bigger picture as a one big happy family of football, yes, of course mm-hmm. we do but for that 90 minutes I don't care what they do um, so for us, it's, it's this. Our girls, or our women as well, mm-hmm. um, went to Dolphin Stadium Thursday night, highest crowd out of all the W League. Mm-hmm. Our semi-finals, highest crowd yep. as well. Mm-hmm. They can stand on their own two feet, given yep. the right stadium in right environments. So if we're playing games at Lions, if we're playing games, might even be at Penn Power, could be at Suncorp yep. or Dolphin, depending on the broadcast and the time slots yep. as well, um, they'll be well-reported. So, and I think that's important for the women's game, as they stand on their own, they can justify having their own little stadium, yep. bring in the crowds if it's two, three, four thousand. And we have those type of facilities around Queensland to one, really show what how fantastic women's football is mm-hmm. and two, share our sort of love yep. of women's football with all the local clubs where yep. they can profit off that as well in their canteens mm-hmm. and at the gate to yep. somewhat as well.
0: And just following up as well about the W League players, we've seen some of them going around in the NPLW competition uh, this offseason. I've been able to call games with Alira Toby, Abby Lloyd and stuff. So how important was it getting those players out and engaging with the local clubs?
5: Oh, absolutely important. I know Mel ran a winter program, um, but I'm a big believer, and it's not me, but it's the club around. When we don't have a broad scope of platform where they can go and compete, um, a lot go overseas, as you know. Yep. Um, some in the W, uh, in the MPLW competition. It's important they go back to those local clubs. Yep. It's important to get back the training time. It is a step up when you get into the W League. It is a big mm-hmm. step up, but they've got to keep playing, which is important. Yep. And those local clubs who have those licences,
3: getting those those women mm-hmm. the opportunities, um, exactly what's needed. Um, on the academy, it's the second year of that since it started up. How, how, how do you gauge the success of that so far? The, they won the Y League last year on the men's side the girls won the NPL Queensland yep. in 2018 so yep. how do you gauge the success of that so far it's funny trophies are one thing okay. um, but we
5: don't that's not a big uh, big yep. focus on okay we want to win the trophy mm-hmm. the the Y League I don't think it's the right structure just yet yep. I think that'll improve dramatically um, That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. So that is a big podcast, that one. Yeah. Um, but from our point of view, the academy, it's been very successful in its first year. Even though there's been a transition, we now got Warren Moon, yep. who's a fantastic coach, stepping up into uh, the general manager at academy. Gives a lot of confidence across all of the football community around how he handles himself yep. and the ethos of what the club wants to do in its academy space through mm-hmm. young kids as, early, as young as 12. <laughs> um, and uh, And going up to the under-20s is very important. We've got some great coaches under there as well we've just appointed. Um, that hasn't had a media release or anything, yep. but uh, we can certainly go through those. Full-time goalkeeping coach is going to cover the, the academy, the MYL and the women yep. as well. So we've got this depth of really great, knowledgeable coaches um, looking after the best Queensland um, uh, kids mm. out there. Mm. Uh, in a, the only, or mm. probably, well, we were the first. Yep. Western Sydney Wanderers will probably say they were. We were the first mm-hmm. to have a no pay yep. to play Academy we're keeping that the success mm-hmm. is this we've sold a few players out there it hasn't been really articulated publicly mm-hmm. we will a couple of goalkeepers overseas yep. um, we've been doing those deals and we're talking 15 year olds yeah mm-hmm. so from our sort of point of view it's around developing those mm-hmm. kids getting them game time either in the A-League yep. or getting them into the Y-League um, if we can then put them into the A-League because they've got that quality great but if they're that another level as yep. well with key talent identification and process, mm. having an international coach such as a Robbie Fowler and yeah. uh, TD Tony Grant, obviously yeah. opens up the global perspective yeah. of where these kids can go. Yeah. Um, but if they don't reach those levels, it doesn't mean they're any failure, because yeah. what it's going to mean is when they move back into the NPL system, um, it's gonna strengthen that. And that's what it's gonna be, and that's yeah. what it's all about.
0: Perfect. All right, one last question for you, then we'll let you go, because I think kickoff is uh, coming up soon here between yeah. the Roar and Pen Power. Yep. So, something we're asking everyone, the story of Brisbane Raw's season in the A-League will be? A lot
5: better than last season.
0: <laughs> well, we can all... all uh, <laughs> There's plenty
5: uh, of
3: scope for that. No doubt about that.
5: That's my political correct answer, yeah? Yeah,
0: we're all certainly hoping yeah. for that. David, thank yeah. you very much for your time. We really appreciate yeah. that. And we'll be back on the Brisbane Football season Preview after this.
5: You're listening to the Brisbane
1: Football Review. We'll be back after this.
0: Right, we're back on the Brisbane Football Review A-League Season Preview It's James Scott and Adam here at uh, Peninsula Power AJ Kelly Park after the Raw have wrapped up their pre-season preparations but before we get into that Facebook uh, you can follow us at the Raw Review we're still trying to change it to Brisbane Football Review but please Mr Zuckerberg help us out here uh, Twitter at BNE Football and we don't have Instagram because well have you seen us
1: <laughs> email
0: is Review at gmail.com and our podcasts are on a whole bunch of places Wooshka iTunes iTunes Uh, Spotify, and we're here as part of the Podular Media Network, so that that is still DFS, basically, but uh, I think uh, they've got a new branding, so let's get into the next segment. We should also say thanks to David Perret for his time this afternoon. We really do appreciate that. So, uh, the next segment, we're going to talk about the Brisbane Roar. Who would have seen that one coming? Alright, so there's been a whole lot of turnover with the squad. Uh, Coach Robbie Fowler as well, Um, and we've also got a whole lot of turnover at the players. I do want to start at the back, though, and Uh, I've got Max Crockham coming in to compete with Jamie Young for the goalkeeping spot. Mm -hmm. And I've also got a whole bunch of new defenders in as well. Tom Aldred, who we're going to hear from a little bit later. Mm. I think this group is very much the key to how the Raw season is going to go because last year they conceded, what was it, an A-League record? 71. 71 goals. And yeah, it, it,
3: that needs to be cut in about. I can three. tell you what number it needs to be cut down to, actually, James. Because historical precedent, if you want to win the Premier's Plate, you need to concede less than 25 goals. That's so the standard. So one goal per game. Basically. That's basically the standard. Every basically everyone who's achieved that marker in the last 10 years has won a trophy, either the A the pre- Premiership, or if two teams have done it in a season. One won the Premiership. One won the Grand Final. That's what you need to do: score more than 40 and concede less than 25. That's that's the standard.
1: Yeah, look, um, that's, I think it's the key to it at the end of the day. You know, you score more than you concede, and You know, you do that, you're, you're going to be in the race. It's, uh, you know, football 101.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. So, we'll run through the uh, full uh, group of goalkeepers and centre-backs. So, you've got Max Crockham, Macklin Freak and Jamie Young. Question here, Jamie Young still first choice? Wow.
1: Well, uh, I would have thought so until what I've seen sort of in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Max Crockham has, uh, has started and played a full 90 in both... Um, in both the game, pre-season game against potential Peninsula Power tonight and last week against Gold Coast Knights. And um, unless there's some weird and wonderful way of preparing Jamie Young, um, I would almost have to say that uh, Max Crockham will be the number one say next week in Perth.
3: It does appear that way. The only thing I'll say in mitigation to that is Jamie Young did play in the FFA Cup round of 32 and round of 16. So he has had the two competitive games this season. He was mm. the first choice keeper in those two games. And he was pretty good last year for the Raw, so I think think there's still a chance he might be the number one keeper starting the year, but based on the evidence late in pre-season, Crockham appears to be a serious challenger at the very least. And we do know that is something that Jamie Young definitely responds Mm. to as well, uh, where he uh,
0: responded well when it was Michael Theo there pushing him all away. And, you know, if you're looking at numbers in terms of percentage, if you view it as an even competition, it's 495 Rockham, 49.5 young, and 1% for Macklin yep. Freak, who did have a stellar youth season.
3: And with the greatest respect of Brendan White, he was not necessarily brought in to put that pressure on.
0: He was only a late signing when Freire yeah. broke his thumb, I think it yep. was.
1: Yeah, look, that's the thing, is Now, I guess that's the one positive you can take. It's competition for places. Um, look, Jamie Young, I'm sure, will be, he's certainly up for it. And, yeah, look, um, I, I just find it strange that, yeah, that a week out from the season, we're eight days away, and that, you know, the supposed, you no, know, well, I don't think. I don't think it's fair to call Max Crockham the number two. But we, but judging by, of course, by the FFA Cup, um, let's call Jamie it one A. Yeah, we're, we're, they're starting um, young, and I said, I said to, to play Kroken the last couple of weeks. I don't think it's the time to go you know, give him him minutes now. Right? Eight they, days out from season.
0: Unless I genuinely think Jamie Young is going to be ready to go, no matter what week one. And this is just the last possible moment to give Crockham some minutes before the season starts. Absolutely, because
3: it's very difficult to get your backup goalkeeper minutes during the season unless you're going to play them in the wire league, which you can imagine Macklin Frake will be taking the majority if not all of those minutes. Exactly.
0: All right, going to move on to the central defenders as well. One thing that we've also seen this uh, pre-season is a formation change from the rule where they're playing three central defenders. And it's going to be led by Tom Aldred, the new captain of the Raw. we have also got Daniel Bowles, Macaulay Gillespie, Scott Neville, Aaron Reardon, and Kai Truin. I feel like this whole group revolves around the success of Aldred, who I think, mm. I, I've said it before and I've said it again, I think he is going to be the key. If he does well, he's going to be the uh, player of the season for the Raw.
1: Yeah, look, spoiler alert, one of my predictions for our predictions later on, I think uh, the campaign lives and dies with Tom Aldred, as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, the one, as, as we point out, that, you know... Record number of goals conceded last season. He is the, he is the glue, you know, the, the big centre-back that you want to lead. Um, if he goes down injured or his form dips, um, yeah, the Raw are going to be in for a very, very long season. I think... Mm-hmm. But not only him but also as well he needs the backup from the likes of Macaulay yeah. Gillespie. Uh, yeah. from from Scott Neville. even beyond that, you know, you would hope that, you know, it's the, yeah. the likes of Jacob Pepper, um, you know, Aaron Reid and you know, sort of yeah. he as as up and comer, as well as um, Daniel Bowles. I think they're all gonna have a role to play, but it all revolves around Tom Aldrin.
3: That's the point I was gonna make actually. Tom Aldrin absolutely is gonna be hugely important to the Brisbane Rule Season, but so will Scott Neville and Macaulay Gillespie who we think are most likely to start in those two. The positions in the defensive back three alongside of him. If they're, he, they, they need to be solid as well. The whole back three, because when you're defending without one less defender, because the two wing backs are of course more advanced in this formation, everyone needs to be doing really well back there. Definitely. So or- it's not, it's not just all about Tom Aldridge, The three of them collectively have to do well. Whoever they are.
0: I do have a bold prediction about this group, but I'm going to save that till later. Okay. Uh, the wing backs you got: Jordan Courtney, Perkins, Jack Hinget, Jake McGinn, Connor O'Toole, and Isaac Powell.
3: Yeah, I think Jordan Courtney Perkins is someone who's really been the shining light of this A-League preseason. Someone who we all knew was a good young defender coming through, but we didn't think he was this good this soon. He's been absolutely fantastic for the role this year at that left-hand side. And he's overshadowed Isaac Powell, who is just a few months younger than him. And that's something I don't think any of us saw coming. I think we all thought Isaac Powell would be the one who would make that spot his own this year. But it looks like it could very well be Jordan Courtney Perkins. And on the right-hand side... Jake McGing's been really good in preseason, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he, been he, really impressive on that right hand side. I think we all had him pegged as a central defender, but he's gone to that right back role quite well.
0: Yeah,
1: well, um, it must be, must be something. While he was a he was away in Europe, he's, he's obviously developed on his game. But just um, just on sort of you know the youngsters, you know we won't see, we won't see ne- either Jordan Courtney Perkins or Isaac Powell until probably uh, look at hope you know mid November because they they're they've both been in the. Um, to, in the Joey's under-17 World Cup side in Brazil, so um, a fantastic achievement for both them, you know two you know, two international uh, age internationals that the Raw have, pr- have produced, um, but also as well, on the other side of things um, look, right now, Jack McGing has that um, Rock winbeck role, but uh, what happens when J- Jack Hingott's back?
0: I think that's going to come down to when Jack Hingott is healthy, do, do they see him fitting in more as that central defender role, or yeah. possibly playing out on the flank?
3: It could be very well that the three of them, McGing, Neville, and Hingit, when they're all fit, are fighting for those two spots, right? And it could very well be, depending on which one of them is in better form, if someone's out of form at that particular moment, Hingit may very well get that spot. We also should should not rule that. Hingit has played on the left as well. He may also be an option on that left-hand side. We don't know where he fits in. to Robbie Fowler's plans at all this season because we haven't seen him play.
0: The one thing that I will say about Jack Hingit, coming back
3: from an ACL, there is a big
0: difference between uh, healing and being ready to go again. So yeah, I would yeah. say, with the depth that they've got, there's no need to rush him. He like if they give it just another month or two, he'll be fine.
1: Yeah, look, that's, that's exactly like it. You know, if 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 you know we don't see him till late December or January, you now he's been given time to get the fully, you know, to rehab, do it properly, be at the peak of his powers. You know, that would mean that that the Raw are doing well. That you know that McGing and Neville. Are covering, are covering the role. But also, as well, it's also worth mentioning that at the moment, it's like Connor O'Toole has got the left wing back's role um, yep. signed up for the time being. And
0: a chance to make that his own as well yep. with the other two away. Just
1: on Hingot, I think it's important he does not rush back either because
3: when people come back from ACL, ACL injuries, it t- tends to be a little soft tissue injury or something else that follows that. Because I remember when Shane Stefano had that when he joined the, the Raw, he, he had a leg injury of some description. I forget what it was when he first came back, which put his start to the season... Behind the eight ball, so to speak. So it, you definitely want to make sure Jack's 100% right, particularly in a if he's going to play as a wing back. You've got to be forward all the time and back as well. Yeah. The amount of energy you need to insert into a game, you may need to make sure one you're you are 100% right and ready to go and before you fill such a role.
1: And the worst thing you want, you know, for for a fan favorite like Jack Hingert, is to re-aggravate injury yeah. or do something because he wasn't 100% right. That he's been rushed back, and that would be the the absolute worst thing that could happen.
0: Well, if anyone wants the difference between you know what we do and what yeah. professional athletes do, when I did my ACL, <laughs> I put on 12.5 kilos. I'm pretty sure Jack hasn't based on the look of him. So, <laughs> oh, He looked
3: in good shape, didn't he? Right.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think he's ready to go as well. You can see that he has that sort of look. All right, so we've got two more position groups to get through as well, just with our overall squad preview. Central midfielders, that's just one big group. It seems yeah. like they're playing some combination of a three-in midfield. You've got Ramadakbari back from his uh, year-long holiday in Melbourne. Uh, Brad Inman, Stephen Moore, George Mells Aidan O'Neill, Jay O'Shea, and Jacob Pepper. Uh, I think Jay O'Shea is the standout name here. He's going to be the key playmaker yep. and making yep. things happen going forward.
3: Adam mentioned that Tom Aldred for him is the player who the season lives and dies on. To me, it's Jay O'Shea. The raw in that front third, they need creativity and all the good stuff they've done so far this season in the FFA Cup. It's come through him. He ran the show against Sydney FC. He was pretty good as well against the Central Coast Mariners in the Round of 16. He is. You're right. He is an absolute key to the season. Yes, absolutely. It's interesting
1: that you actually mentioned... um Brad Inman, in that, that mm-hmm. central midfield. So he's yeah. actually probably turned out to be, be you know, the, the main attacking outlet. Scott know, a striker. No, 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 look, look at... No, <laughs> he's
3: is an attacking midfield, all right.
1: Yeah, no, look, that's the thing is that he probably... He, he's been known in the past yeah. as being, you know, in that central left or right midfield. So the fact that he's actually reinvented himself and he's actually, you know, scoring goals, albeit, you know, in pre-season, mm-hmm. he's obviously got, a, you know, some bit of attacking flair. So he's actually reinvented himself position-wise and sort of, you know... Yeah, and like I said, so it's not really sort of dueling with the likes of Stephen Walk and, and, uh, and Aidan O'Neill for that central midfield, So I think he might be have got a role forward.
0: It does give them also a little bit of flexibility with how they want to deploy that midfield. They can have, you know, two defensive, one attacking, one defensive, two attacking, or a flat three, or any other wild and wacky combinations Robbie Fowler chooses to And you deploy. can mix it up
3: in-game as well, with given the options they're all having this squad. squads, a lot of versatility in these players. A lot of these players can play multiple different roles, as we've seen in the pre-season, so you're absolutely right. You'd be able to have to do... Better have that mix and match situation. Whereas, if you do want to play him in deeper in midfield to get more attackers on the field, you can do that.
0: And look, you know, we've talked about him over the last couple of years. We've seen Jacob Pepper involved as well as a central defender. You know, I know he cops a lot of flack, but he's still one of those guys you do need making up that squad who can come in and do a job for three or four games at a time.
1: Versatility is the key. Um, and that's competition for places it's just as much you know when you have a, you know, a versatile player as a Jacob Pepper who you know at the moment he's probably a long way from being the best 16 at the moment um, but Look,
3: it's a problem it, if he is though, because you want your utility players you want them to be a bit further down in your squad.
0: Yeah, depth. exactly.
1: But that's the thing is and he know, might find a competent it, squad player, you know.
0: But on, as a counter to that, he may still find his way onto the bench because of his ability to fill Absolutely. in two or three players. Absolutely and
1: that like I said, he may not be like I say as I say, the top sixteen, but what is the top sixteen? Yeah, you know, at the end of the day it's it may like Robbie Fowler might be thinking more horses for courses, you know. Mm. So look having that versatility especially over Jacob Pepper is a is a plus as yeah. far as I'm concerned.
3: Lee Broxson, Port Palo Retro, two players who do that role quite well as well. Definitely. Now, one position I'm pretty
0: sure they're not going to ask Jacob Pepper <laughs> to fill in yeah. at is striker, although I'm you sure, if, you asked, I'm sure okay. if you'd asked, I'm sure if you asked him, he said, oh yeah, I can go in and I'm, do it for I'm 20 I'm sure minutes. he'd
3: have a go at it, but I actually like this front group because if you look at it, they're all off something different, right? Because O'Neill's... O- oh, Donovan, sorry. He's got that Should we run through who's in this first? Oh, you can if you want.
0: Aaron Amadi Holloway, Jai Ingham, Roy O'Donovan, Dylan Wenzel-Halls. I am going to call Roy O'Donovan the rod or the carbon yep. rod for a Simpsons reference.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we love a Simpsons reference on this show. But uh, he brings guile and experience in that in that penalty area. Um, Aaron Amadi Holloway brings a physical presence in that front third. Dylan wenzel Hall is someone who can run in behind. Jai Ingham can play in a wider area. And You mentioned Brad Emman can play in that role. He's sort of like yeah. a dual 10... Linking up the play, so they all offer something a little bit different, which does give you again that flexibility to mix and match based on how you want to play. Yeah, one uh season prediction I am going to make I am not standing
0: next to Aaron Amati Holloway because he is <laughs> a giant, he's man. a
1: big lad. <laughs> we, we've, seen, we've seen him since you now.
0: I saw him standing next to Dylan Wendell, <laughs> who's quite athletic in and of himself, and that just made me feel absolutely like just completely. And that, and that may
1: be something that you know the Raw has lacked in the past, yeah. you know, but yes. Number of seasons where yeah. you, you have that big hulking, you know, center forward type that you know you can just bomb, you know, sort of crosses and balls you, into.
3: you got to go back to the Serge Van Dyke, even Reynaldo till the day. Although yeah. so well, Reynaldo wasn't really big in terms of muscle, he was just tall. He was tall, but even then, he was more still Van pretty... Dyke, you're probably thinking of. Yeah.
0: I, I kind of thought like um, Reynaldo, he was one of those. He was a finesse big big man. Yeah. Like, he could still run past someone, turn a trick and get a shot off. No idea where it would go, but he could do that.
1: <laughs> uh, look, I, I actually, speaking quick about Analdo, I actually thought he was always play our position. I thought he was a bad number 10 because of that ability, that size to be able to hold up and so create. So, um, yeah, but look, uh, Marty Holloway obviously offers something very, very different and very, very new to what Roy have had before. We know what Roy O'Donovan's capable of. Um, and look, and you've got to be excited about, you know, a full season Dylan Wenzel-Halls um, Brad Eman in there as well and look Jai England's is back and he's he's yeah. you know worth as well
3: a couple of good young players in the front there as well Muratovic and Dante Mariner as well oh, yes, might not get an thing. opportunity but they're very good young players but if
0: you did go to that Sur City Cup on the Friday night just after the Central Coast Mariners Cup loss
3: he's yeah. got to see them in full flight there
1: yeah no, Dante, Dante Mariner especially I think he's, he's Definitely a prospect. We
3: should future. mention that the raw won the Sur City Cup in pre season with basically their second string lineup. I'd say that, it was about their third string. Because <laughs> the first string has played obviously in the FFA Cup 120 minutes and they had to back up over the weekend. So. Yeah. Thank you. As we we started, did, uh, being greeted by
0: some of the punters here at uh, AJ Kelly Park.
3: <laughs> but yeah, they did. they did <laughs> do that, which is great. It's a great sign for the depth that they have got that they're able to get, step in against good quality A-League opposition, Newcastle and Perth Glory, and pick up that trophy.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, if nothing else, like they, they've got options here as well. And once again, that is a big standout thing about this squad. It is the versatility. They can go big, they can go small, they can go fast, they can go strong. I think it is going to very much be a case of having 16 or 17 guys who you could put out as a starter each and every week. And then a whole bunch of super reliable super subs. And I think that's going to be what Wenzel Hall is going to be asked to do. He is still a young striker, but he's still got a, a lot to learn. But I do think, you know... For all the talk about Robbie Fowler, he's got the resume that at least makes someone like Wenzel Hors go, "Hey, he knows what he's talking
1: about." Exactly, and that—that's the thing, isn't it? This, especially this attacking um, sort of, you know, group as well. I think that's the benefit that, you know, that Robbie Fowler above nothing, about everything else brings is that, you know, here's here's a striker, whatever knowledge that he can impart onto. Um, onto the young group is away I think it's going to be beneficial.
3: Speaking of, we should probably talk about the new coach. Can we haven't. Can well, I was about to segue into it. 15 minutes into this raw conversation we haven't even talked about the it. that they have a new coach this Well, season. that's the way we traditionally go. We go with the squad first and the coaching stuff. I was about to segue
0: into it until you started waving me down saying I've got something to say. <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, Robbie Fowler, obviously, you know, we made our thoughts on the signing pretty clear when it happened last April. I'm still in one of those, you know, Seymour Skinner, prove me wrong kids, prove me wrong sort of thing. But... Look, there's at least been cause for optimism this preseason. It seems like he's come in with a plan and said, all right, I know what I want my players to do. I know what players I need to do it, and I'm going to go and sign them. I know that they might not be the sexiest names in all of football, but if they can come in and do a job, like, remember, Thomas Broich was, okay, I know it's the absolute best-case scenario, but even go down to a Bessart Barisha, it's guys who can come in and do a job. Absolutely,
1: yeah, I'll cool. go oh, Sorry, I was yeah, going to say, look, it's, it's deja vu after the last, you know, disaster season. And, and that's... Okay. Don't worry, <laughs> our
0: microphone's the noise cancelling.
1: Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, that's a train of thought there. Um. Yeah, look, that's, that's the thing is that it's... The Brisbane Raw side has never really had a standout marquee where it's all about them. The, the most marketable asset that the Raw had this season is their coach. Yes. Yeah.
3: It's the most marketable asset they've ever had, really, as a coach. You think about some of the Craig Moore, perhaps, Broich became a marketable commodity, but he wasn't really when he came here. And again, I think there's obviously a very particular plan Robbie Fowler had when he recruited these players, because he did it really early. I know they announced them in June, July, but these players were heavily linked long before that. So it was obviously a long time in the work that this is exactly the way he wanted the team to go. The particular plan, as you said, and they've gone and they've followed it through. And so far, they are playing to that plan and we'll have to wait and see how it works but it looks pretty good so far. Certainly alright and just a quick
0: run through of the pre-season results 3-0 over Redlands United, 4-0 over Brisbane City, 11-0 against the Gladstone Select, 10-0 against Ipswich Knights 5-1 against Coomera, 1-0 against Perth, 3-1 against Newcastle 4-1 against the Wide Base Select, 5-0 against Gold Coast Knights and 2-2 against Financial Power to go on top of those FFA Cup results where they beat Sydney FC and then lost on penalties to the Central Coast Mariners. So that's yeah. it. Overall, I think plenty of goals in the preseason. They've given us cause for optimism. We just have to wait and see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, look, that's, uh, at the end of the day, like I said, it's all in do. Like I said, it, 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 I couldn't fathom it being any worse than it was last season. Yeah. So it's, it's onwards an upwards. Uh, new squad, you know, new faces, and we'll, we'll see where it goes.
3: Just yeah. this game today against pincher side, the rest of the preseason has been really impressive. And a, a big step up on what we saw last year. I remember being at the Logan Metro Football Conference, when they played against Logan Lightning last year, very early in pre-season. And it looked pretty pedestrian then. And it was, in hindsight, it was a sign of things to come. This pre-season's been a lot better than that. Outside of today's result.
0: Yes. Which, let's be honest, our hosts today, I'd say, are pretty happy with, based on what's going on <laughs> yes. around us. All right. So, speaking of some of those players, we're going to hear from them now in the next segment. And we're going to go through and uh, see who we talk to at the Royal Media Day. This is Brisbane Football Review, A-League Season Preview. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, joined on the Brisbane Football Review season preview by the new captain of the Roar, Tom Aldridge. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Congratulations on the appointment. How big of an honour is it for you to get this in your first
6: season of the team? Yeah, massively. It's obviously, as I said yesterday, it's an honour and a privilege and one I'm looking, really looking forward to. I'm excited for it and looking forward to the season to begin.
0: How are you finding living in Brisbane so far?
6: Yeah, loving it. I, I was I spent three months living in Brisbane, now i moved over to sort of the Gold Coast side, Hope Island, but now I'm loving the area. Uh, it's a beautiful place, and one, I'm looking forward to future weeks and months and years just to come. And
0: obviously you joined, uh, and you're
6: working now under Robbie Fowler. What was his recruiting pitch to you? Um, well, we met quite early to be honest with you when he just got announced as the manager and we, we had a good conversation about his ambitions and where he wanted to take the football club and, and for me, them ambitions matched match where I wanted to go as a, as a player and from, from there it really went on and it was just about bringing the success back to the football club, which we know it's, it's had in the past.
0: And uh, you obviously came in with quite a few new players, 14, I believe, for the first team squad. Does it make it easier uh, having all these players coming in to make the adjustment to playing for a new club with you?
6: Yeah, it, it does, and obviously the lads that were already here were good lads, so they sort of let us know how the clubs ran as well. But no, it was good, and uh, some of the boys that had come in were all from that similar background and where they come from as myself, so... We're all, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, if you like to say. But no, it's it's been a good trans- easy transition, and one that one that's been good. And
0: uh, how's it been, you know, getting the new guys? Uh, have you had anyone helping you out, uh, learning all the good coffee shops and stuff in the area?
6: Yeah, a few of the boys showed us a few coffee shops. I think a few sure lads own a few couple of coffee shops so we've tried them, but they don't give us any discount. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. They're really short. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Now, to be fair. That's one of the things over here that's quite popular. So, I'm
0: enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, the season's coming up uh, coming up pretty soon. How's it been getting through such a long pre season?
6: Yeah, it's obviously it's been different than the UK. Yeah. It's been quite a, a long one. But what it has been positive is that we've had enough time as so many new players to bond as a team and to get used to one another and play lots of pre season games and get ready for the season.
0: Perfect. And uh, you've got Perth round one away. How long have you been uh,
6: preparing for those guys? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. The last finish that was the FFA Cup games, but really since day one, to be honest with you, because we, we, we always knew the A League season when it was going to kick off. So it's always been from day one, as I said, to, to get ready for this game, and we're really looking forward to it now.
0: And yeah, you got your first time game against Melbourne victory as well, yeah. October 25th. Uh, how much do you know about playing at Suncorp Stadium?
6: Um, well, I've, I've, I watched the rugby there, and I, I've been there for a couple of uh, promotion things, but no, that's fair. I don't know a lot, but it's obviously an amazing stadium and one I'm really looking forward to to playing. And what about
0: the raw fans?
6: Yeah, um, I know when we played at home in the FA Cup game it was a good atmosphere and I'm really really looking forward to to, to play some proper competitive matches in front of them and hopefully we can, we can give them some good, good results to cheer about and have a successful season.
5: But you do have
0: quite a few road games coming up early away, uh, a lot of away trips, so yeah. how useful would that be to get the squad uh, bonding together?
6: Yeah, it would obviously the ideal, I mean to be fair we've had a, we've had a couple of uh, pre-season trips already so we, we, we're all up there in terms of bonding, we all know each other well enough we've worked hard in pre-season, we've not spent a lot of time together so no, all good. And
0: uh, for you guys as well, uh, you've got a late run of home games as well so hopefully that'll propel you into a finals berth but for you being the captain, what changes uh, from the way that you'd just be playing normally? Uh, aside from the coin toss.
6: <laughs> yeah. No, uh, aside from the club, to, to be honest with you, at the club I was at previously in, in Motherwell, I, I wasn't the captain there, but I felt like I was one of the leaders within the dressing room. It's, it's part of my natural makeup. I wouldn't say there's um, nothing much changes for me. I, 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 it's, it's part of my yeah, attributes to be a leader that's and, that's to right. and to help others and to contribute in those ways. So, no, I'm looking forward to, to being part of what is a successful team. And for you personally, what constitutes a successful season? Um well, winning football matches and finish competing at the top end of the of the, of the league table. And uh, what finish this sentence? Brisbane Raw's se- story of the season will be. Um, good question. You throw me off. Uh, well, I got to finish on it. Brisbane Raw's season will.
0: The story of the season will be Brisbane Raw.
6: Um, winning more games than it's done before. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Just, good luck for the season. Yeah, Congratulations.
4: To no Captain problem. C. Thanks mate. All right,
6: joining
0: us now in our season preview, Jack Hinget. Jack, how's it feel to get back out there?
4: <laughs> yeah, not uh, not many better feelings after the, the last yeah, seven seven or so months I've had. Um, it's awesome being back out on the pitch with the boys, and I'm. Um, I'm back into pretty much fully training now with this squad. Um, so I'm coming towards the end now of the injury and got through got through the hard parts, and, yeah, I'm excited and, and buzzing to be back out there. So how was this off-season for you? Obviously it would have been a pretty difficult one, rehabbing from
0: injury. How did you approach it compared to other seasons?
4: Um, yeah, obviously um, I had to put a lot more time and effort into my rehab this year. Um, it is quite a significant injury. I think... Um, surgery and everything went really well and getting that done as quick as possible definitely helped and then I think I needed a few weeks there just to kind of switch off from everything um, and, and get away from it all for a little bit so that's why I um, went on a little holiday very early on because uh, early on in the, uh, in the rehab stage there's not too much you can do um, so I got away for a bit and then got back and, and definitely got stuck into it and I've been uh, been pretty busy with my, um, with my prehab in, in the off season. And obviously, you know, there's been a whole bunch of change uh, in terms of the squad this year. How is it working under Robbie Fowler? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's been great. Um, Obviously, I grew up in England as well, so he's a massive name, especially in England, but in football in in general. Um, And I've had the, the privilege of playing with him when he was at Fury as well, so... Um, it was good for me that we did. Obviously, we've already met before and played together before. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's been really good and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And how have you been going about, uh, as a veteran of the squad, welcoming in a lot of the new guys? Yeah, there was a lot to welcome. Um, it was very interesting walking in for day one of pre-season this year with so many new players. Um, but I said, I've said i said previously the, um, the best thing about an A-League pre-season is in this case is that it is so long, so you can have a lot of time for the boys to gel and like they have done this pre-season, we've shown, we've shown um, with those results that we've had most of the pre-season. Um, but they've all been great, we've got, we've got a great bunch here, they're all great lads and um, yeah, it's been enjoyable actually welcoming them to the club and, and getting them into the Brisbane Royal culture and, and introducing them to Brisbane. And speaking of that Brisbane
0: Royal culture, obviously, you know, it's one thing that stood out over the years, like regardless of who's been here, it's been that. Uh, Do you guys do anything in particular to welcome in the new guys?
4: What um, sort of initiations? Oh, there's the, the old sing song. Um, first uh, first away game, all the new players have to sing a song for us in front of the rest of the guys. So that's uh, a good bit of team bonding there. So they've all been through that. And there's been a lot of songs this year, like I said, for so many new players. It's been very entertaining. Um, I think Jai Ingham has probably had the best standard, a bit of Michael Jackson. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been fun and interesting. And yeah, that's one of the first things and that people say about the club is how, how welcoming how we are as a club. And um, as a group of players as well, so it's been uh, very enjoyable. Been a very new game. And round one, you guys are starting away to Perth. Any thoughts about having to get that trip out of the way first up? I think it's a good one to have early on, to be honest. Um, they obviously were a great team last season. We've played them already this preseason, and we, we got a pretty good result against them. So. Um, that definitely gives us confidence going into this first game of the season, and hopefully we can we can get a good result over there. And in our first game at home at Suncorp is against Northern Victory, so if we can get a good result away to Perth, then it's going to set us up for a great encounter against Victory at Suncorp. Definitely, and of course the early bye as well.
0: So how, how are you going to manage that? Obviously, you haven't had to deal with that since I think the 2010-11 season. So
4: how different is that for you? Yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd one to be honest. Um, we've been waiting so long so long for the for the season to start with this with you know with the pre-season that we have over here it's been been an awesome pre-season um, and then you kind of just get into it and you get excited that the season's starting then we got a week off second week but um yeah, that's all good. It just gives us an extra week to keep training and, and prepare for the, for the following game. So there's uh, nothing wrong with that. And you did mention Melbourne Victory, obviously. That,
0: uh, that If you're playing in that game, you'll be looking to go against guys like Ola Toivin. And Are there any of those new
4: acquisitions to the league that you're looking forward to playing against this year? Yeah, there's quite a quite a few um, new players coming to the league. Um, I know that there's a few that have had recent injuries as well, which isn't isn't great. But, um, yeah, there's some, some good players coming in and, and one that... You know, once I'm back fit, I'm looking forward to playing up against maybe um, Robbie Cruz, who obviously played here before. So I think that'll be, uh, that'll be good as well. And for you personally, what constitutes a good season? Um, I think good performances and being successful. So a good season for us is obviously we want to make finals and we want to, we want to go all the way. And finally, the story of Brisbane Raw season will be? Finals football. Beautiful. Alright
0: Jack, thank you very much. Uh, Best of luck with the rehab and looking forward to seeing you back out there this season. Thank you very much. I can't wait. Okay, joining us now on the Brisbane Football Review Season Preview, Dylan Wenzel-Halls. Dylan, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. So you've had a full off-season training with The Raw. How's it been working with uh, Robbie Fowler?
2: Uh, from a personal perspective, it's been outstanding. Obviously, you know, one of the you know the best finishes of his time. So, as a young striker, you know, um, learning learning off him, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for not only myself, but um, you know, every every striker in the team, every attacker in the team.
0: And obviously, uh, they're brought in guys like Roy O'Donovan, Aaron Holloway. How much are you trying to learn off those guys as well?
2: Yeah, obviously a lot. Um, you know, I was injured, so I was, you know, I was trying to watch Roy and um, you know how he moves. Even Brad Inman, who's um, you know a very good player. So um, yeah, I've just been watching them and trying to you know. You know, suss out how they move and, and, you know, aspects that I could, you know, put into my game, what they do. So, uh, no, it's been, it's been a good pre so far.
0: And obviously there's been quite a lot of turnover with the squad in general. How have you gone about, as one of the holdovers, welcoming the new guys to Brisbane?
2: It's been good, you know, they're all, you know, a good bunch of guys. Um, you know, they're all here for the common goal to, to work hard for the club and, and succeed and do well. So, it's been an easy transition in that aspect. Um, you know, a lot of them speak English as well, so they all speak English. So, that's obviously, you know, a big help. Um, But no, it's been good, you know, they're a nice bunch of guys, um, you know, very pleasant off the field and, you know, on the field, you know, we're all out there, like I said, um, achieving that common goal.
0: And with this season coming up, obviously you've got Perth away uh, round one, how long have you been looking forward to that game?
2: Yeah, obviously the pre-season here is um, is very long, so, you know, the the first game of the season is always the the most exciting game of the season, so, you know, we're all buzzing for that and we're we're putting ourselves in the best possible shape and, and condition and... Um, you know, to put our best foot forward to, to get a result on the road, and the raw have a
0: lot of uh, away games early on through the first couple of months. So, is it a good chance for you guys to try and come together as a squad with those uh, road trips before getting a run of home games to hopefully uh, push yourself into a finals berth.
2: Yeah, for sure. Obviously, the, the away games are always you know tougher than, than the home games. You know, we've had a lot of. Um, a couple of pre season trips as well, you know, out to, to Harvey Bay and Gladstone. So that's been good to obviously uh, mix together and, you know, get to know each other a little bit better off the field, um, and, you know, spend a bit more time together. So that, that's, been a, that's been a real positive of our pre season so far. But absolutely, like I said, you know, we've been training hard as, as expected in pre season to, to put our best foot forward come the season. And you've
0: got a couple of games at uh, Dolphin Stadium this year as well. Are you looking forward to playing there.
2: Yeah, obviously it's a nice, uh, nice facility. We've been out there in the FFA Cup a few times. Um, you know, really nice pitch, nice facility, and obviously it's good to to give um, you know the, the fans of, of Redcliffe uh, an opportunity to watch the role play and you know come down and support us.
0: Certainly. And our first home game, October 25th against Melbourne Victory, you have had that one circled as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, as a footballer, you you, you love playing football, but it's um, it's the best best opportunity and best experience playing against the big teams and obviously Melbourne. are... Are a big side, so um, you know there's no motiv- no one needs motivation getting up for those kind of games. But um, you know we're just looking forward to the season. You know we're gonna um, you know give every game our all as expected, and um, you know like I said, put our best foot forward um, come the season to, to set our set the standard for a positive season. And for you personally, uh, are there any
0: of the new players co- that have come into the A League that you're looking forward to playing against?
2: Um, not necessarily. Um, you know we're just focused on what we're doing. Obviously, it's always nice to play against those big players, but. You, know, you don't want to get carried away thinking of that. You know, they're just—they're uh, a footballer just like you are, and you know, we're just out there to, to perform well and you know, do the best we, the best possible, best we can.
0: And for you personally, what constitutes a successful season?
2: Um, I think every every team wants to win everything. I think that's the thing that the boss has instilled in us. Um, in early in pre season, he said, you know, we want to win everything. Whether that's a training game, um, you know, you know, Melbourne victory, you know, Perth glory. You know, we we want to we want to get three points every week and. Um, you know, and, and obviously finals, I think. The big, raw uh, have been a, a big club for years and, you know, we want to get them back on that stage.
0: And final question. The story of the Brisbane Raw season will be? Successful. Perfect.
2: All right, Dylan, thank
0: you very much and best of luck for the season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers.
5: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this.
0: All right, that's going to be segment four... No, five of the Brisbane Football Review A-League season preview. As you can tell, it's been a very long day here at AJ Kelly Park, and we do thank Penn Power for their hospitality this evening after what they'd say was a very successful pre-season friendly against the Roar. This so evening
1: maybe? and the whole season in general. Yeah. Yes, throughout the NPL season. always
0: very
3: good to us here at yep. P- Power.
1: Yes,
0: definitely, and uh, long may that continue. Anyway, uh, so for segment whatever we're up to at the moment, I think it's five, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a trip around the league and just talk about a bit of a lightning round about all the other 10 clubs, because believe it or not, there's a new uh, team coming in, Western United, or it <laughs> does bear some similarities to Wellington Phoenix, if you look at the playing <laughs> roster, coaching staff, and just general approach. Anyway, so around the league, uh, we're going to start off with Adelaide United, and the big story for this is uh, new coach, Gertjan Verbeek, uh, new technical director, Bruce Jitte, and the story of the FFA Cup, at least from a Adelaide, Adelaidean perspective, G- South Australian. Australian, yeah. Uh, Al Hassan Toure, who we've seen twice uh knocking out Queensland sides and boy what a play they might have uncovered.
1: Yeah, look we have spoken about it on a number of occasions. Um he's he's been in the system for a year for a while now and he's actually you know sort of retaking his chance and look he may uh, wind up as the um as the number one guy leading the line for Adelaide. You know, it's
3: Yeah. He, well the guy that did say Christian Opseth I don't think he's actually played yet. I got his clearance from his club in Turkey, so I'm not sure what situation is there but if he doesn't deliver at any point to have, a guy like Al-Hassan Toure available is absolutely perfect for Adelaide. And in fairness to Adelaide, no, they've been really good at this, about finding South Australian talent and promoting it. They've been really good at it. You think about their history in the A-League; they've always had one or two pretty good players in their squad who are from South Australia. I didn't. I like their um, actual winger, Michael Maria, as well. We saw him up here against Olympic. He was pretty good as well. So they've done, got a fair bit of... De- a few decent recruits. And they signed James Traisi on the Saturday... Yesterday, today, depending on when you're listening to this, so it's interesting to see because they, they haven't really had a lot of change at Adelaide, apart from the coach. It hasn't really well, changed. There's one, too much. there's one
1: big thing I think that, that I think where the season story will be written for Adelaide United is whether um, they can replace the um, what Craig Goodwin did last season, yeah. and whether Riley McGree can step up and you know and continue his his form across you know, a number of clubs.
3: James's favourite player,
0: Riley yeah. McGree, of course. Yeah, and uh, Thomas Christiansen's favourite player, based on how often he yelled <laughs> at him. But, uh, yeah, the other big loss for them as well is, of course, Issa Is, who I, I, I always like to call another a... Another favourite player. Yeah, who I always like to call the slightly more uh, refined vers- version of Bessar Barisha in the way that he just got so riled up at every single thing.
3: A great club man, though. And, of course, this is uh, another option if your fa- other favourite player. You've got, so- you've got so many favourite players down there. Nathan Constantopoulos probably gets... More of an opportunity down there in South Australia this year.
0: I should point out, I do have a very different uh, association with <laughs> Nathan Constantopoulos, and that was, goes right back to our first episode, yeah. <laughs> uh, where I was reading the Raw Squad at the time, and I had to try and learn how to say Constantopoulos on the fly while we were recording. Take 27. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. You take
1: 100, 110. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's, let's not go into comparing the number of outtakes. Instead, let's go on to the Central Coast Mariners who knocked the raw out of the FFA Cup. Uh, Alan Stagic has assembled a squad, and if nothing else, it seems like they're going to be motivated from being written off.
1: Yeah, look, I think they're better than last year, barring, you know, everyone stays in the park fit and healthy. I think they've got some good young players come through, as we saw, um, up, at, you know, down the road, down Dolphin, um, in that FFA Cup uh, round of 16 match. Uh Look, I think yeah, like Samuel Severa and Jay Stezness. Gianni only like. yeah. Yeah, I it's think it's been um, a long day, it's all don't worry. Yeah, so I think, but also as well, I've had some experience with Dylan Fox, uh, Ziggy Gordon, and Giancarlo Galefoko as well. Galafoco, so, yeah. And 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 also as well, you know, Mark Burghetti will be a safe pair of hands uh, in goals. So look, I think they'll be better, but I still think they're a long way from being title contenders.
3: We hope they're better. That's most certainly what we need to see. We haven't. We've seen the last couple of years; they have been a bit of a. And after sort of aside, we need to see them getting back to that. I thought Samuel Silvera was brilliant in that cup tie when he was up here when he came off the bench. And Tommy York, look for a big team for him because yes. if it's not now, it'll be never. It's that sort of time for him now. He's still only 27, I believe, which is, a, I know he makes you feel old, but he's in his prime now. It's a big year for him. And I think if they're going to have any sort of success it could come through, those attacking with players, because up front, Aside from Matt Simon, who we know is yeah. a walking yellow Your card. Your favourite player. He is my favourite player. A walking yellow card, Matt Simon. Apart from that, they don't have a lot of options available. Yeah, So definitely. they may need to get goals from midfield.
0: And we've seen Tommy Orr. He's still got that left peg, and he can fire in a shot from pretty much anywhere on the park as well. So even though he is playing for the Mariners, he is one of those ex-Raw players that, you know, you do hope yeah. comes back and does well. All right, I'm going to move on now to Melbourne. Ha! City. <laughs> my bad. Uh a whole lot of changes over there, and we got to see Eric Mombarts in, p- in person at the FA Cup on Tuesday night. And I'll tell you what, Good he's to, talk to he, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very well thought out person. Like everything he says seems very considered, and it seems like he's again one of those coaches that's come in and said, "I want to do this."
1: Yeah, look, I, I think yeah, it's a very very deliberate sort of game plan style that he wants to impart. I think that's obviously comes with experience, and being someone who's you know been well travelled across the world. Um, look, I think City. Uh, they, it's a very workmanlike side. I think uh, Craig, no one, Craig Noon. There goes go, That's go. one. Yeah, that's
3: that'll one. be our other running joke to the season. Yeah, carbon yeah. rod from James, and no, <laughs> no one from Adam. What's yeah. yours? I'll have to think of one now. Yeah, you will. You've but taken the two good ones. I've got to come up with something.
1: I also think um, Josh Berlante is going to um, play a big role, sort of you know, anchoring the, uh, the midfield as well. And I think his creativity at the back, you know, I think is going to you know replacing uh, Luke Bratton in that role basically. I think it, that's going to be uh, also yeah you know, the story of the season for uh, Melbourne City.
3: I'm really looking forward to seeing a couple of the young midfielders as well. Connor Metcalf's played a lot in the FFA Cup. He's Really taking a big step forward, and Denny Johnroy was away in the Netherlands last year. I'm really keen to see how he goes, because people remember Daniel Arzani from their youth side. When we saw them play up here a couple of times, he was as good as Arzani, so I'm looking forward to see how he has developed.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's
3: really about the young kids at Melbourne City. We know that they've got some pretty good senior players, but it's about the young guys from them.
0: I want to back them to do well this year. I yeah. just can't, in large part, because of the, uh, in, just because of the Melbourne City... Uh, Well, Melbourne City stigma, really, where it's a case of constant underachievers. But the other thing I'm curious to see as well, Jamie McLaren, obviously he's back now from his overseas spell. If he comes in and scores, you know, 15 goals in the first 10 games, is someone going to poach him overseas?
1: That's always the fear with um, a player of his style. I I don't think coming home was his first choice. So yeah, I think a case of if he sets the um, league alight in the first you know, half of the season, yeah, could he be gone? Could he be gone January? You
3: never so, know. Sorry, just at the back of so Richard Wimbickler hasn't played yet. Mm. I don't think, but he's he was really good. when We saw him in the Champions League against Melbourne Victory. He could be a really important part of the defence because yeah, they, uh, they do look a bit shaky at centre back yeah, apart definitely. from him.
0: Uh, Mel- and now we're going to move on to the other uh, Melbourne side.
3: Jeez, oh,
0: these Melbourne Victory. Yeah, so they did sign one raw player in the off-season, Jay Barnett.
3: They signed another one, so we'll get signed in the W League preview later
0: on. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for later. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think they've got a pretty damn good side all up. And they managed to bring in Marco Kurtz, who was, if I'm, like in the interest of full disclosure...
3: Of course they've got a good squad. They always land on their feet in Melbourne Victory, you know that. Yeah, that's true.
0: But I was going to say, they, they did sign Marco Kurtz, who was my pick at least, to be the Brisbane Raw coach.
1: Yeah, look, um, and actually, after Grew with Scott, I think it's a case of you thought, you know, the sky is going to fall. after Kevin Musket left, you know, some of the players have lost. You know, you look at you know Costa uh George Niedermeyer, James Tracy, Carl Blairy, Kasey Honda. You're thinking, oh, geez, they're going to be in for a torrid time. But you know, they get Marco Curson, they get a decent, you know, lot, you know, some good pedigreed. You know, you know Foreigners too. And then obviously, then you've got the Australian sort of like in Robbie Cruz, yeah. uh, Robbie Cruz, Andrew Naboo, and uh, Adama Troll.
3: I'm really looking forward to seeing those two guys, Cruz and Naboo. Yeah. We've I, seen what they did with the Socceroos under Graham Arnold at the Asian Cup. I'm really looking forward to seeing how those guys combine. From an A League point of view, obviously, as a Raw fan, I don't really want to see them play too well, <laughs> but they should be really exciting for neutrals this season. But with the World Cup qualification campaign on the line, it's kind yeah. of,
0: well, you might have to find a way to middle that. Yeah. yeah. The one thing that I do think we are going to see from Melbourne Victory, I think they're going to try and bully a lot of teams. Obviously, you've got Ola Toivonen up front. Marco Kurtz, he does like to play that, I suppose, a little bit of a physical style as well. I I think you're going to see Andrew Naboo running over a lot of people. You're going to see Ola Toivonen just out-muscling a lot of people. I think that's the way that Melbourne Victory are going to play this year. And it, it could either be the most exciting watch all season or just one of those ones that make you want to put your head
3: through a wall. We'll just have to wait and see well, how that plays out. With it's more likely to be the latter than the former based on Adelaide. But I don't think it's any coincidence either. Look at their visa players. All, there's a central defender and two holding midfielders in that group. Yeah. And yeah. a left back with the darwin I don't think that's any, any coincidence. I think they're definitely looking to be more Is solid.
1: Is this a uh, Australian player?
3: He might be. Yeah. He might be now, But either. they've definitely gotten for that solid look. Mm through the back line. All right. Newcastle Jets. <sighs> what are we expecting from them? I
0: I, I I, don't know how long we're going to be talking about them in large part because I don't know what to say about the Newcastle Jets a few right things now.
3: To say. I think Matt Miller could be one of those signings of the year. We saw what we did with the Mariners. Put him in a more competitive side. He could be brilliant. The unfortunate thing for them is Wes Houlihan is going to be out until the early part of 2020 with a, a pretty serious ankle injury, I believe. So And I think a lot of their players can be built around here and Petrados linking up. I talked about it in the last two segments ago it's about the forty five forty goals for. With him with Houlihan out
1: Where are they going where go? are
3: their goals going to come from? Because Abdel Auroreo I don't think's found the net too many times in preseason.
1: Bob Bobby Burns, and I think they Bobby are Bobby Burns is a wing back I, yeah. but
3: Kane Shepard's out as well. That's the thing that concerns me. Newcastle have always leaked goals James. Yeah. Like last when they were running in it two years ago with Sydney F. C. for the top two, they leaked too many goals. That was what did them in. So they've and early American sides have always what we can concede goals would get them at the other end. This year, are there enough goals there without Houlihan? I'm a little bit concerned for them. And of course, Adam favourite player Joey Chapness will not be playing in 2019-20 because he's off in LA.
1: Not not LAFC either. What about <laughs> the
3: Galaxy? Playing Flat no. Latin? You don't want to talk about Chapness? <laughs> is, what, are you okay?
1: <laughs> yeah, look, uh, no, look, uh, at the end of uh, the day, he's uh, going to follow uh, his musical career. No, he's got, the, he's got the safety net to come back. But yeah, look, I think... Uh, Look, I think Newcastle Jets' season might be uh, on the rocks before it begins. I think the Wes Hulahan injury is a big blow. I think it, it puts more pressure on Demi Petratos to perform. Um, look, if he, unless he can have you know a stellar season um, before Hulahan gets back, it could be over before it begins. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I've got
0: one thing that I definitely know I'm looking forward to with the Newcastle Jets: Ernie Merrick's press conferences.
3: I'll oh, are great. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think O'Donovan's return can be interesting as well because I think I'm not sure that he left on the greatest of terms they were hoping he'd stay. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's actually a huge That's loss. That's the second for them.
0: straight season the Roar have signed a striker yeah. who the club were hoping to keep. So. That's a huge <laughs>
3: loss for them as well, really. O'Donovan was such a key part of that attacking unit. And if Arroyo can replace him, fantastic. If not, they've always stri- before him, they struggled to find a striker. So for their sake, hopefully, Arroyo is that man, but I'm yet to be convinced. We'll
0: have to wait and see. Moving on to the defending premiers now, Perth Glory. Don't ask me to say that five times really quickly. Okay. In Bruno Fornaroli, uh, he's going to be replacing Andy Keogh, and it sure seems like that could be an upgrade if mm-hmm. he hasn't been impacted too much by his what essentially season-long vacation last year.
1: Yeah, look, that, that's. I think that's the. Um, we keep talking about the, uh, the stories of the season. I think Perth Glory. It comes. It begins at the end of Bruno Fornaroli. Like, so they um, they exp- expend a lot of capital to get him. Um, is he the same player as he was two seasons ago? After his torrid time, you know, with Melbourne City, where he basically he has left a rot. Uh, losing Andy Keogh is going to be a big thing. I think that was, you know, because of the Fornarosa. So even though they were all in the books at the same time, at one point we never thought that they'd all um, be on. Uh, look, I think, yeah, some of the names that they've lost. It's um,
3: it's a million dollar question, isn't it, Fornaroli? Yeah, yeah. If, yeah, he's, I think if it, he's what he was at Melbourne City, they're going to be right up there again, competitive. Mm. If he's not, then where are the goals going to come from for Perth Glory? Because Castro will get you a few, Kilmeas yeah. will get you a few. Maybe D'Agostino can step up to a certain degree, but yeah. if Faunoroli is not the man, who is? And that, the, they've made a lot of other changes. The backline have lost Davidson, brought in Meredith, they brought in I the Korean guy, but I think that Kim Su beyond. Exactly, I couldn't yeah. think of his name off the top of my head, but they've have signed. They've lost a couple of defenders and Spiranovic at the other end. Uh, the, the centre back—that's a huge loss. I think
1: Jason Davidson uh, leaving—that's going to be a huge yeah. one. I think, uh, you know, having uh, having that sort of you know, left back, you know, it's yeah, he, he he was you know integral to the glory success last season. So it'd be interesting how Tony Popovich sort of you know reshapes, and remolds. Um I give him a good chance to you know to do it, but I think it might be a slow burn rather than you know back to where they were you know last season.
3: The other question with Perth Glory is the champions they have never been in it before. For. They don't. We don't know how. We. I think they're going to take it pretty seriously. We don't know how they're going to cope with it. I think it's a big, big question mark over over them as we look forward through the second half of the season.
0: And also, at least for Perth, the flights are a lot shorter. Actually, to get it to some helps of these them years. a lot, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and also the the big intangible that you know you can't really put a price on the popper factor. Yeah,
3: yeah we know he he's big on the championship. Tony Sage is big on the championship. He's got big business interests in Asia. I'm pretty sure. I think he's been wanting for a long time for his club to be in. The Champions League. I don't think they're going to want to squander it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Champions League is actually their number one focus this season.
1: I was going to say that. Yeah, I look, I agree with Scott on that. I, I actually think that if Gloria are sort of floundering in their sort of mid-table by you know by Christmas time, I actually think there might be a shift, yeah. shift, and that they, they may take their chances you know in Champions League rather than sort of. And not, I'm not. You never accuse a side of just completely writing off. But yeah. I think the focus may change. I Priorities, think you, and you've got a guy who's who's won the Champions League, who knows yeah. how to do, do it. You know, as you said, Tony yeah. Sage. You know, he he's very big on Asia because his business interests. Yeah. Look, that may be. You know, they may be if they're struggling in the in the A League. are uh, they may be. You know, someone you can back. You know, to get through. You know, deep into the Champions League.
0: Yep, that's it, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, with all those home games over in Perth, they'll have uh, plenty to look forward to. 26
3: straight this. home games, isn't it, according to you? <laughs> Something like that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All
0: right, we're going to move on. Sydney FC, they won the grand final last year and somehow managed to get stronger <laughs> as well. Speaking of clubs oh. that always land on their feet, Costa Barbarousas, Alex Bamjohan, Luke Bratton, Patrick Flotman, Ryan McGowan, Harry Van well, yeah, yeah. They, they've gotten better. And that, that was a, a club early on that everyone was saying, you know, just hand them the
3: trophy. It very well may be the case. gonna this season, people will be saying that. That front third looks fantastic, providing it all clicks. Now, it didn't click against the Raw in, in that Round 32 game. That was very early in their preseason. I'm pretty sure they're going to be a lot more coherent as a group than that going forward. But defensively, don't overlook the signing of Ryan McGowan. It was, I think Van der Linden's is actually cost them the Premiership life. They conceded too many goals. And he was a liability to put it to put it mildly last year. So I think if Ryan McGowan can step in and fill that role alongside Alex Wilkinson, Michael zulo Ryan Grant, or Ryan Grant, I should say, that back Thank four you. is gonna be a really good back four. And going forward we know they've got plenty of goals in them including Luke Bratton now in midfield to run the show.
1: Look, I think are two key inclusions, you know, Alex Baumehan. Yeah, you know, basically him you can him and um Ninkovich combining that could be um, a lot of fun for the neutral. Yeah. Um, Costa Barbaros as well, who had a great season last season. Mel Victory, he's uh, he's going to form that, that's that's you yeah know, on the wing as well. You know for Adam LaFondra So yeah. look, there's a lot of um, yeah. they, they've got a lot of firepower and look, said they've got a very stable uh, defence.
3: I know we're short on time, but we had to talk He was going to have he had a big pre-season 12 months ago. He was going to have a big season. He might be next factor as well for them off the bench.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, moving on to the Wellington Phoenix now, who, well, they've been gutted, uh, <laughs> to, to say the least. And I suppose the big thing I want to talk about with them, obviously, you've got Ufuk Tale in their managing. We saw them against Spruceman Strikers in the FFA Cup, but they did seem to be missing quite a few of their big guns, and it was a very bare-bones bench. Mm. So
3: my question to yeah. you, rather than what are we expecting this season, is how much are you taking away from that FFA Cup game? Very little, for that reason you mentioned, because they didn't have their full squad, and it was very, very early in their pre-season. It's... So tough to gauge sides when you only get one look at them in the round of 32. So, but they have made a lot of changes. It's hard to know what to make of them because we didn't. We, I'm not even sure how many games they've played since that that cup tie. To be honest with you, but look, we hope that they're competitive again. Look, 12 months ago, I think both of you had them finishing last. I had them finishing second last. They were in the finals. Hopefully, they can surprise us all once again. But it, it's a completely re re. Jigged Wellington side and we don't know what to make of them.
1: We can answer your question about what you take out of the F A Cup going against the strikers, Zilch. Yep. Absolutely zero because at the end of the day they're still building. We we always thought that they were that it's an FFA Cup is something is not priority for them. Yeah.
0: Um it's a uh, couple of extra pre-season friendlies if they it is, get yeah, that they have to
1: they have to travel across the ditch to come to. Um look whether whether they'll be, you know, same place where they were last season. I, I, I strongly doubt it. Yeah. Um, I think so much turnover. Um, it's going to take them some time to Gel. I Looking at some of the names that they're getting, look, I hope, you know, for their sake and for New Zealand football's sake, they do gel eventually. But I don't think they're going to be a factor in the finals this year. But then I said that last year. In
3: a lot's going to fall on to show the shoulders of David Ball to lead the line. Stephen Taylor at the back. And just, just also Devere <laughs> to create chances. Outside of those three, it's a completely side, isn't it? It's... It's a shame what's happened. Look, they had such a good side last year. They played some great stuff.
1: You look at, Unfortunately,
3: look, now most of them were green and black. Yeah, yeah oh, and if
1: they're not, they're either they're either playing in India or they're playing in the Bundesliga. So yeah,
3: that's true. All right, now
0: going on to the first of the Western squads, and that's Western Sydney Wanderers. And I, I'm actually tipping big things for them this season, for the simple fact that that Bankwest return I think is going to be huge for them. It is looks like an absolutely awesome stadium.
1: Normally, I say that's not really much of a factor, you know, moving stones like that. But I think it's, I think Western Sydney Wanderers are the exception because I think it's, it, it's so. Like West we know, is start of the art stadium, and I think they're gonna, they're gonna rise for that. Like I so said, they, they, they push, even in pre-season, they push Leeds United, you know, before a last-minute winner. So if that, that's the sort of form they can pull up in pre-season, they, they're going to make West a fortress, and they, they're going to be very tough. Um, as far as sort of the roster goes, I think um, losing uh, Ruslan um to a serious injury, I think that's going to really you know bump down their, their chance. I think if he was fit, they were. Yeah, but I think yeah, Marcus Babel, he's got he's got a pretty decent squad down there.
3: The stadium itself, the bricks and mortar of it, mean nothing.
1: The, the, intangibles. the, the
3: intangibles of the atmosphere coming back. If the RBB come back in numbers, mm. that matters because we've seen what that's done for them in the early part of their history as a club. It, It helped them to three grand finals. It helped them to an Asian Champions League win. Congratulations to them for that. But that's what really matters. Now, for the squad itself, Prim Schwiegler looks a really good player in midfield. Alex Meyer is an experienced guy up front. The real question is, where's the creativity? With Majewski out injured, young Costa Grossos injured as well. I think they're looking for a replacement for Majewski. That may very well hinge on their season. I think they're going to be vastly improved on last season just purely for the fact they're not playing in a cavernous stadium with no atmosphere. But how much better, we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, that, I think that this could be one of those sides that's either out of the finals or challenging for the Premiership, yep. and I'm picking the latter on that. And
1: also, as well, Daniel Lopar, in uh, just, uh, he'd be a bit, bit more stable than what uh, Vedran Janjinovic gave they him are, his frozen they are, goal.
3: They are breaking a record with four goalkeepers on their League contract. Lopar, J- 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 Janjinovic is still there. For how long? Yep. Yeah. Nick Suman, and there's another goalkeeper as well there as well. So they've got four on the books, which is unheard of. Really for an A-League club, but if if um, Lopar can do the job, it doesn't really matter.
0: Definitely. All right. Now on to the new boys, Western United, and we're going to have to uh, make it pretty quick because well, there's no A-League history to really cover. <laughs> but Mark Rudan he's assembled a squad, and I'm looking forward to seeing Alessandro Diamanti
1: This this is a like this is the X-factor. Of of the season, and you know what? This is what the league has been screaming out for because you don't know. Like I so said, we can, we've spoke the last year you know, 15, 20 minutes about the size and sort of knowing the history. We do not know what Western United are going to put up. It's the squad that they've assembled is a very it's a very good squad. Look, there's no question about that. And the history in the past of these expansion sides, you know, through concessions or whatever else, and just be able to. Bring um, the other they give them a chance. I think the signing of up Borussia, you know, is almost, you know...
3: Could be
0: an underrated
1: pickup. St- up It's a of genius, I think, also yep. ranks
3: that. Borussia could be really important. My concern is about the age of the squad. I think there's a lot of players well over the age of 30. We saw here in Brisbane 12 months ago, if that mix is not right, that may not necessarily work. However, Valentino UL has been really good as a young player in pre-season. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what how they're going to go as a club because they've been really, really quiet. I think they've started their season really late in pre-season. They were really, really under the radar.
1: But they and haven't I'm had the FA sure f- Cup
3: to worry about. I'm intrigued to see yeah. how their membership and support is as well, because we haven't heard much about them at all in that front.
1: Yeah, the only difference I would say about you know, to your point about the age balance. I think the one thing that's that compared to the you know to two seasons ago, of the Raw and Dad's Army is that. The, the starting Eleven, yes, you're right. It's fairly sort of you know old. A lot of them over 30. But you've got to look at the players. You know the the young players under them as well. That you know this they're not you know, just rookies. Like so, these are players that have played a number of seasons within the A League, and I think that's where that so that depth comes from. But you're right. Um, yeah, the, the starting level the age, that's uh, going to be right up there. But then I guess Mark Rodan's looking for experience, especially early on.
3: Sam Pasquale is back from Ajax as well, the young phenom from Melbourne Victory a couple of years ago. I'm intrigued to see how he goes if mm. he gets a chance.
0: Certainly. All right, so that's our lightning trip around the league in about 23 Jeez. minutes. So, we, yeah, <laughs> we've got more clubs to cover now. All right, we're going to be back and close out the season preview with our predictions. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, it's the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. A-League season preview for 2019-2020. James Scott and Adam here, and the lights are starting to go off at AJ Kelly Park. So we should do our around-the-A-League predictions segment pretty quickly, I would say. And yeah, it's a sign we've got to get out of here, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. we got our, And I think they might be turning the music off as well. So we've got uh, Brisbane Raw. Let's start off. Predictions for Player of the Year. I'm going to say Tom Aldrin. Cliche because he's a captain, but I do think if this squad is going to do well,
3: it's going to be because of their defense. Adam?
1: But for me, player of the year, actually, I, I reckon it might be Aiden O'Neill.
3: There we go. Well, I'm going to go Jay O'Shea. I said earlier in the year, it's going to going to revolve around him creatively. I think he's going to have a big season. I think he'll win player of the year. Golden boot,
1: Adam? Right on for me.
3: I'm going to go Brad Inman. I think he's looking in really good shape at the moment. I think it'll be close, but I think I think they get goals from a lot of places. but I think Inman might just shade it.
1: Yeah, um, no, I, I, no, just to say, just to quickly sort of clarify that. Yeah, look, I think Roy Donovan. It won't, it won't be a a league Golden Boot number, I think, because I think there are many different um, places that they'll score goals, but I think he'll have the most.
0: I'm going to go Aaron Holloway. I think he's going to work his way into the starting lineup, and that size is going to be a useful piece at set pieces. I think he's going to wind up uh, leading the leading the line. In conjunction, cool. po- probably with Roy O'Donovan, as they try and make use of that size advantage. All right, uh, breakthrough player Scott, oh, Jordan Courtney Perkins.
3: I think he, as soon as he's back from Young Soccer, I think he'll be on that left-hand side. I can see him having a massive year.
4: This
0: I'm going to go Aaron Reardon. I think he's going to wind up replacing possibly Macaulay Gillespie in the starting lineup.
3: He's been really good in pre-season as well. That but is my entirely bold. possible. Yeah. That is my bold prediction
0: for the uh, season, and well. I've already said my most important... Do we
3: want bold predictions?
0: Uh, uh, In a second. We'll we'll go for most important player for the Raw. I'm going with Aldred.
1: I've said Aldred, already.
3: I'm sticking with
0: O'Shea. Okay, and bold predictions for the Raw. Adam?
1: Um, Look, I think a bold prediction would be... And you catch me off guard here. uh, Look, My my bold prediction will be that there will be uh, at least four players that will score eight goals or more.
3: There we go. I thought this on the fly. Aidan O'Neill and Brad Eamon will represent the Socceroos. Okay, bold prediction. And mine is that Aaron Reardon will replace uh, Macaulay Gillespie in the starting
0: lineup. And, yeah, let's go league-wide. Player of the Year, so Johnny Warren medal winner. <sighs> look, I'm going to go Ola Toivinen, and, and that's also going to be my uh, golden boot winner as well. I honestly cannot say enough good things about this guy. If he stays healthy, he's going to be the best striker in the league.
1: Uh, yeah, look, I think I actually think Alex Baumjohen. As, as player of the year, I think he will be instrumental in sort of, you know, of running pretty much uh, Sydney FC's, you know, you know it's yeah. past the top. But I agree with you about old, old Toyvan and I think he's going to have a big year.
3: It's a hat trick then for Toyvan and for Golden Boot and I think Andrew Naboot will be the Johnny Warren medalist and... Oh, You know, if anyone from the
0: Melbourne Victory podcast is listening to this, just know we're not trying to step on your turf here. We've just got high hopes for the Melbourne Victory this year. And we Un- dislike your club immensely. <laughs> <Except> <laughs> or maybe that's just me, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then we've also got the uh, ladder... Pre- oh, no, we've got a bra- breakthrough player for the league. Look, I'm sticking with Aaron Reardon mm-hmm. in large part because I'm just not going to pretend that I know enough about the rest of the squads around the league yeah. to say otherwise.
3: Well, I would say Joel Courtney Perkins, but for this I wanted to go with a non-Brisbane Raw player, so I'm going to go with Denny Jonro from Melbourne
1: City. I'm going to go... I mean, I can't split two. Um, I think, well, you're going to
3: have to split them.
1: No, so I, I'm going to have two breakthrough players. I think it might be joined. I reckon Trent Bahaja. I think he is going to... He's going to sort of, you know, light up that wing for Sydney FC. And I also think Elvis Cam Sober.
3: Actually, no. I'm, I'm trying to go challenge... flag. Al- like, make him pick one. Please. Pick one.
1: Uh, we look back I, on, No, Bahaja because okay. I think he'll start more and than... And my non Brisbane
3: pick yeah. is going to be Al-Hassan yeah. Toure. Yeah. Good shout. We'll look like, back on these in May. You've got to have something to hold you
1: on.
3: he's got two predictions to get it wrong. Look at that.
0: <laughs> Look
2: yeah, at there that you way. go. That's good. That's good
3: point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladder
0: prediction. <laughs> <way. laughs> We're not going to go eleven to one. Oh, <laughs> or do no, we want oh, to? Do you on. want to? Have fun with it.
1: Okay. I think it's just once a year. Eleven
3: to one. Yep. Let's go.
1: Hey, so my ladder prediction is as follows: in eleventh, Central Coast Mariners; ten, Newcastle Jets; and in ninth, Wellington Phoenix; eight, Adelaide United; seven, Brisbane Raw, six, Perth Glory. 5th Western United, 4th Western Sydney, 3 uh, Melbourne City, 2 Sydney FC, and the Premiers, I think, will be Melbourne Victory.
0: And if you have any complaints about Bruce from Royal finishing 7th, you know who to send that to, Adams.
3: I'm, you're lucky there's no one here from the Raw still who could throw you off this balcony out no, for I'm that sure, prediction. I'm
1: sure I'll get a nasty wordy comment from Raw Royal, Royal Sports Federation <sighs> I'm tomorrow. I'm sure so. you will. Yeah.
3: They might be slightly happy with mine. I've got Mariners 11, Wellington 10, Newcastle 9, Western United 8, Adelaide 7, Melbourne City 6, Brisbane Roar 5, so they'll be in the finals. Perth Glory 4, Western Sydney Wanderers 3, Sydney FC in 2nd, and Melbourne Victory in 1st.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot, quite a lot of sense. Um, we'll, we'll put all these out in a graphic as well, I think. We'll try and just work out the best way to do that. Uh, my ladder prediction, uh, 11th, Newcastle, 10th, Wellington, 9th, Central Coast Mariners, although I do hope that they're a little bit higher up. 8th, I've got Western United. I, I guess if I had to put it on there, there's just... Seven teams I like more. Seventh, I've got Adelaide. Sixth, I've got Brisbane. I think those two sides will finish dead level on points, and that's going to come down to the improved defence of the Raw that gets them into the finals. Fifth, I've got Melbourne City. Fourth, I've got Sydney FC. Third, Perth Glory. Two, Marcus Babbel effect with the Western Sydney Wanderers. And in first place, I'm going to take the Melbourne victory. So those are our predictions. Uh, Any complaints, comments? Oh, who really cares? And also, if you read my A-League season preview at my day job later this week, I bear no responsibility if that is in any way, shape, or form different to what I just said here. Uh, so, round <laughs> one, more travelling that... to Perth glory in place of a regular show on Wednesday, because let's be honest, there's not much we're going to really be able to add on Wednesday. We're going to quickly touch on what we're expecting. So, this will be the second, uh, third meeting of these clubs in round one, I
3: believe. Yes, third. play made... Raw won 3-0 at home in Season 2. O- o 06, yep. So yep. Simon one. Lynch on the score sheet, I believe, that day. And then they oh, lost the 1-0 cast. in the grand final rematch, which I Billy, believe... Billy Mamet. I believe Tony Sage still thinks that won them the grand final. So congratulations to yeah, the yeah. first. You won that grand final. It was the one with the... the round uh, one grand final. It was
0: the, at the one Subiaco. with the promise sell out at Subiaco that had, I think, 7,000 people at it.
1: And the, uh, and the banner.
0: Yes, that's right. So what are we expecting from this game?
1: Look, it's, uh, it's going to be a entirely interesting game. I think both sides, you know, are going to come into this obviously, you know, clean slate and whatnot. Um, it's hard to no I think, I think it's going to be an even contest. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I think both sides. I think it's going to be a filling up period, and it might be just a case of who takes their chances on the day.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think these two teams will be pretty evenly matched. They play pretty similar formations. If we have led to believe that what Perth Glory will do, to play. Mm. We only saw them once again in the cup, of course. So. It's hard to gauge, but they did play the same three-four-one-two formation they did last year, so I imagine they'll keep doing that. It sets it up really. Who's better in this system?
6: Yeah, exactly. I've uh, have
3: Perth Glory replenished their squad well enough to be able to fill in, and oh, I think it'll be a pretty even match.
0: I'm going to draw for this one. Yeah, okay. i score I'm... draw one-one.
1: Yeah, I, I reckon one-one draw. Definitely.
0: All
3: right, Scott, what's your pick? Uh, 2 all draw I was okay. actually just trying to work through the ladder in my mind again trying to see if I can get it right
0: yeah okay you do that let's wrap this up so thank you Scott thank you Adam good seeing you again James Adam thank you to Penn Power for putting up with us for a couple of hours after the match tonight should probably also say thanks to my wife who's just sitting over there watching something on her phone after coming to the game and <laughs> we should also say, say a big thanks to the Raw as well for their help getting those interviews uh, together thanks to David Pure, Tom Aldred Jack Hingett and Dylan Wenzel-Halls and Yeah, go Raw season 2019-20. We can only hope for the best, and we'll be back with another podcast uh, after round one to recap it all. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening.